Welcome to Everyday Superhumans, the podcast about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm Kyle. And I'm Caroline. So, Caroline, you know what's awesome about this episode? We're in North Austin. Yeah, we're recording in a new <laughs> right location. Now. I'm calling this, this is my new apartment. I'm calling it Everyday Superhumans North. You're ES South. Everyday I'm Super the South, South location. Who likes which place the best? I like this one. Pull time. We're <laughs> biased, so... All of our recordings were in Tres and Outros. We're always at Caroline's place up until now. Yeah. But she didn't have roommates, and I it was just too busy in my old apartment. But now we're good here. Yep. Anyways, though, this episode we speak to Jim and Joyce Lynch, who are the current president and former president of the Austin Astronomical Society. They just rock that society. They do. Jim and Joyce. So Jim is the current president, and mm-hmm. Joyce's wife is the former president. You know, I didn't know much about astronomy, and then I was blown away by all the information. It was just fact after fact after fact. And it was so interesting, too. So, like, with a lot of our guests, it's usually, like, we ask them questions because we don't know that much of the topic. I, on the other hand, have been studying astronomy my entire life. Yeah. And I didn't know how much I could talk about astronomy. I could have made this interview go on for two hours. Actually, mm-hmm. what you're about to listen to is the edited version of the interview. The full interview is an hour and 10 minutes, our longest recording yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Austin Astronomical Society, though, their entire goal is to get people into astronomy and people that are into astronomy a great place to go and like, talk about it and view stars. They do monthly star parties. Where are the star parties? Uh, the Canyon of the Eagles. They have their own observatory over there. We talk about it in the episode. Well, then there you go. Yeah. So come to space with us and this very special episode of Everyday Superhumans where I nerd out with another with a bunch of our astronomy nerds. And I kind of nerd out too. Yeah. So. And we teach Caroline some cool facts. I know. I was like, what, well, what, what, what? <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Kyle here with a quick interjection before we get on with the interview. In the intro, Caroline and I misspoke about Jim's title. He's actually the chairman of outreach for the Austin Astronomical Society, not the president. We got this confused since his wife is a former president. Anyways, though, just want to get that out of the way. So there's no confusion, and here we go with the episode of Jim and Joyce Lynch of Austin Astronomical Society. Okay, yeah, so on. we usually like to begin at the beginning of everything, like what got you into your cause or like why you're so interested in it. So what was your first telescope? Our, our first telescope was um, what's sometimes laughed at in the club called dime store telescopes um where we spent less than a hundred dollars on a three inch telescope um but that allowed us to see a reasonable amount of stuff in the sky was it a refracting telescope a reflector reflector yeah that's pretty cheap for a reflector like i usually kind of like 300 and up mine is at least um no as this this one was um i say it it was approximately a hundred dollars what was it made of like the telescope. Well, me- metal tube, uh, okay. glass mirror, you know, glass optics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it was a was it a mead or a rind? It was a brand it, it, name. It was a mead. It's just that some of the the brand name companies will make things that are maybe a little bit lower quality to sell at places like Walmart mm-hmm. and Sam's, which yeah. I think is what we got these. So yeah, there's a lot of the astronomers that are very uh, uncomplimentary about them, but. It worked for us, and we've moved up since then. <laughs> the the oh, other yeah, the other yeah. thing with it was it used uh, non standard uh, eyepiece size. Mm-hmm. You know, most telescopes will use either inch and a quarter diameter eyepiece, 
or a two-inch eyepiece, mm-hmm. and that one uses seven eight, oh, so which you, is hard to find. Yeah, it makes it hard to like buy. Because like the eyepieces are pretty important. It's, yeah, like I think I have three eyepieces for my telescope, and they all make the difference with like the min filters and stuff like that. And yeah. you have to buy those separately. Yeah, eyepieces. Uh, I never really. Got Usually, a, a telescope will come with two. Okay. And then eyepiece um, could change like the uh, the field of view typically, right? It. it, it it will change the field of view. It will also change the magnification. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so the the eyepieces that we have right now are plausible, which have a 57-degree field of view, but you have to divide that field of view by the magnification as you go to higher and higher magnification. Although to your eye it still looks like 57 degrees, you're seeing smaller and smaller. You know, so typical uh, magnifications you'll be using are anywhere from 50 to 200. So at a magnification of 50, you're only seeing you know, slightly over one degree of the sky, mm-hmm. which is about a fingernail's size at arm's length. Yeah, but it's great for like looking at close, like objects close up, like like super, uh, as I say, Jupiter or Saturn and Jupiter combined. Uh, yeah, Jupiter, uh, <laughs> like, like Jupiter. Like. Yeah, yeah. For for well, for Jupiter, for looking at Jupiter plus its moons, uh, magnification of fifty is good to see more details on the planet. Um, move up to one hundred or two hundred. So, uh, by getting to uh, the Austin Astronomical Society, how long have you been involved with it? I understand you're the founders, right? Oh, no, no. no. Oh, I thought we're you were. Okay, I thought you were. No, it was founded in 1969. Oh, yeah. okay. Shortly See, I, after the. Uh, I the, did my research. I forgot to do my research for this. <laughs> I did my research. I knew it was 1969. No, I look like the idiot. It was uh, shortly after the Apollo 11 moon oh, landing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're about to celebrate our 50th. Anniversary. Oh, congrats. I've been involved yeah. for, for about 10 years and Jim kind of tagged along with me for a long time and to events and so, so forth. And now he is an officer and I'm no longer an officer. Oh. Okay. So you got him into it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he, he's a scientist, so he's always been uh, interested yeah. in this kind of thing. But I was the one who really got involved with the club and got on the board and took various positions and so forth. And yeah. now he's doing yeah. that. Became a nonprofit in 1995, right? I think so. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think so. You're right. The, the paperwork was done, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we've been in existence yeah. and, and that was, uh, as I understand it, due to some uh, a, a contract that we were going to have with Canyon of the Eagles, which mm-hmm. is where we have our observatory, and so we became a nonprofit, quote nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But we've never made a profit. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, one thing we kind of actually notice is that, like with a lot of people we speak to, they get their file, they get their uh, nonprofit status. Like whenever it just becomes necessary, because like somebody's like asking for it right. or something like that. We just, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, as Joyce mentioned, the observatory at Canyon of the Eagles, that's on LCRA-owned land. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, L- LCRA owns the park, and initially the observatory was a joint project mm. where um, LCRA owned the land and we put the telescopes on it as an improvement to the park. Huh. But, you know, if you're going to... Um, be working with government entities, yeah. then you need to have you know 
an official mm. status, mm. and so that's that's why we mm. uh, filed the paperwork for five hundred one c three when we did. So what's the observatory like that you set up at? Uh, was it Eagleton Lake or uh, the Canyon, Can- Canyon of the Eagles Canyon on the Eagles. Lake Buchanan? And it's called Canyon of the Eagles because uh, bald eagles winter there in that mm-hmm. area of uh, the the Lake Buchanan. And there's actually cruises then during the winter time that will take you on the lake to show you hopefully mm-hmm. the, some of the bald eagles that are around. Yeah. So Very that's cool. that's where the name came from. And the, the observat- in the observatory, we have two telescopes. Um, one was handmade by members of the club. Whoa. Uh, the other is a commercial telescope. So the handmade one um, is an 11-inch Newtonian uh, reflector. Um, the other one is a 25-inch Dobsonian. Um, and those are there permanently um nights like last night where we have um one night a month as a public night um we have members bring their own telescopes and we probably had an, a dozen other scopes there mm-hmm. last night i need to bring out my telescope to that i i get my telescope like once a year right now like usually if i travel and go camping that's it yep. i definitely hit the star parties so are some of these telescopes so big that a couple of people can Look at it at the same time, like with mm. one, one eyeball. No, <laughs> um, it's it's a single eyepiece on each scope. Um, we have looked at the uh, possibility of um, replacing the eyepieces with cameras, mm-hmm. to where you know multiple people would then be able to see the same view, mm-hmm. um, but. We haven't one. We haven't found suitable cameras. Mm. Uh, the other is, it's just not the same. Looking at mm. you know, a TV screen mm. with a picture as you know, looking through this telescope yourself and mm. actually you know, seeing things naked eye. Mm-hmm. There is something magical about the experience of just like looking at something that's so far away mm-hmm. with like a small eyepiece. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. The reaction we get to Saturn. I mean, everybody knows what Saturn looks like yeah. with its rings and everything, but people look at Saturn through the telescope and they will accuse us of having put a photograph of Saturn at the end of the tube. They can't believe, they just, for some reason, have it, find it hard to believe that they really are looking at, at Saturn. This is a real view. Nope, you are really looking at Saturn. That is what it looks like. But we've had that reaction more than once. <laughs> and, and then there's the reaction of the kids. Uh, yeah. You know, the parents are saying, can you see something? You know, can you see it? And the kid just kind of goes, Wow. Aww. <laughs> a lot of parents say wow too. And, you know, it's, it's just that wow. And you're like, yeah, he sees it. <laughs> because then it's larger than life, right? Mm. When you look at it. Right. Yeah. And I saw somebody last night was looking at Jupiter, and um, I can see the bands on Jupiter, which are storms. Somebody last night swore he could see the great red spot. May he has had better eyes than I do because <laughs> I I couldn't see it, but he may have. And and that was about a hundred magnification where you can you know you can see the colors in the cloud bands. Oh. Um, you so, you really need to well for my eyes <laughs> you need to go to higher magnification <laughs> to see the great red spot. Right. 
One thing I noticed about Austin is that the light pollution here isn't as bad as... I'm from the DFW area originally, and it takes you like an hour to drive outside of the Metroplex just to see stars. Mm-hmm. For here, you get like half an hour and get a decent view. Yep. Every year we have an event at St. Stephen's Episcopal School, which is out on Loop 360 near the bridge over Lake Austin. Uh, we call it Austin Under the Stars. This year it's July the 29th. But um, it's good enough that... Uh, there's a lot of things that can be be seen there. I guess part of it is that there's a, there are hills between there and downtown, uh, yeah. and uh, so it, it's pretty good for in town viewing. Mm-hmm. If you want better than that, you go out to our observatory at, uh, on Lake Buchanan. If you want better than that, you go to McDonald Observatory oh, that place out in is so beautiful. West that? Texas, West Texas. Oh, Fort like, Davis. I've been there like two or three times. It's the best view of the stars you'll ever see. Right. Well, no, actually, if you want better than that, you what? go to the Atacama Desert, Chile, <laughs> okay. which is that's a, <laughs> little, that's a little bit farther. <laughs> Maybe a and, little more pricey. Yeah, and actually, there was a we had a meeting Friday night, and one of our members has been chosen to be in a program where she will go to Chile as an educator and visit various uh, observatories there. And there's one she's going to that's at 15,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And so they have to pass some sort of a physical the morning that they're supposed (laughs) to go there to make sure that they're going to be able to deal with with that altitude. So, yeah, Chile is sort of a a little bit out of the range of a lot of people. But (laughs) But it's it's just just the point is it's just, you know, it's relative. What makes uh, Chile so... like such a great place. For the Atacama is one of the driest places on Earth, mm, okay. so you don't have the humidity, which it, it gets, and you don't it have gets the clouds. Like one rainfall every ten years. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> it's a desert, yeah, it's true. Desert, so that's yeah. that's that's the main thing that it doesn't. The, the, well, two two things. Uh, you know, Joyce mentioned the, the dryness, uh, but also the fact that it's you're a significant height above sea level, mm-hmm. which you know puts you that much closer to the stars mm-hmm. and above what would normally be low-lying clouds. So the closest you get to be to be like an orbital telescope without actually being an orbital telescope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's the same reason as we have uh, uh, observatories on the volcano tops in Hawaii. <laughs> right. is yeah. that, you know, even though they're surrounded by water, the volcanoes are high enough that they're above the clouds most of the time. It's an awesome place for an observatory. It's like a Bond villain area, observatory and volcano. It's like James yep. Bond villain. Oh, yeah. 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 But I would add to, you said, how how can people get involved? Yeah, go out and look up. But you need to know what you're looking at. And the 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 possibilities I have for that are to get involved with Austin Astronomical Society. Our meetings are open to the public. We do have the public star party. Okay. And we have things like Austin Under the Stars once uh, one, a month. Once a month. Our particular day, like, uh, the second Friday of the month. Okay, and then and our public nights at the observatory vary depending on um, moon conditions. Okay, but it's it's usually one weekend a month. Right. Um, you know, we we will not do it on the weekend of a full moon um, because that washes out so much mm-hmm. of the sky. Mm-hmm. So we and even. A full moon, it's it's hard to see details on the moon because the sun is shining directly into the craters. It's a lot brighter than you think it would be, too. I mean, yeah, the first yeah, time I looked at yeah. the moon without a moon filter on, I was blinded for a couple of seconds. Really? Yeah. The moon is Through a lot brighter. Bl- yeah. Okay. The moon is a lot brighter than it appears to be whenever you zoom in really far into it. Right. Yeah. The other way to learn about what's going on in the sky are uh, 
there are a couple of websites that I go to almost every day. One of them is earthsky.org, which tells you this is some, this is something that's in the sky tonight. So you can learn with that. Uh, another one is the astronomy picture of the day, which is. You just subscribe to that. Yeah. I used to follow that. Yeah. And so you, um, it does show you a variety of pictures. I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it's things like aurora in Norway. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's objects in the sky with explanations of what's going on. Uh, so there's just a lot of resources out there to, uh, that, that you, where you could learn. And get get a get a program on your computer. Stellarium is one we use. It's a free download uh, for for uh, desktops for uh, and it, there, tablets. There is, there There's is a, a little a small version that, that uh, but, is, is approximately a dollar fifty. That, <laughs> that's definitely worth you it. Can, that yeah, yeah, that that's going to break the bank on you on your mobile. <laughs> that mobile, will. Uh, uh, that Tablets. will tell you what's out. You know, you, you go to, you figure out a location, you figure out a time, you can run it through a period of time to see what's going to come up in the course of the evening. So mm-hmm. there are lots of, lots of resources out there. And, uh, I, I like to encourage people to start with just looking at the mm-hmm. sky without immediately going, yeah. getting a telescope mm-hmm. or binoculars or whatever, because you kind of need to know the sky mm-hmm. even to be able to use a telescope to, or, to, to, to know where to look. There are a few yeah. apps that you just point to the sky. And oh, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Or like, I, there are lots of people that come to our star parties that have that on their, their smartphones. Yeah. 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 That's like, good, too. I'll outline the constellations and everything, too, which is great for me because I always forget the constellations. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I only know, like, three. Just, yeah. Yep. So what's the uh, best view of the stars you've ever seen? Do you have, like, your favorite spot like, that you just went there and you're like, whoa, like, there's no light pollution at all? Well, I, I have to say McDonald Observatory. McDonald, McDonald, and, yeah. of course, part of the thing with that is, I mean, it is it is out kind of in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But as a research facility, uh, they have been able to get laws passed to control the lights oh, in yeah. an area in, in various several mm-hmm. counties that are around McDonald Observatory. Right now, they're having problems because there are some um Oil oil well areas uh, that are doing uh, that are burning off the natural gas and creating a mm. whole too much light, mm. but they're working with those. There's one near Balmoray I've read, and they're working with those to try to get some control over mm. that and uh, lessen that amount of light. And I mean that's important because this isn't just somebody doing it for a hobby. This no, is a research yeah. facility and they've got all kinds of money and for projects that they're doing and they really do need the dark skies. Have you ever thought about going up into space? Like aren't they having <laughs> like civilians go up into space now but well, you have to SpaceX. But you have to pay a lot of money. Oh yeah. You have yeah. to pay a lot like of money. You have, to, you have to pass the physical right. uh, Richard Branson, who lives here in town and is a... No, Richard Gary, at least. Yeah, Richard Branson. Yeah. No, Branson. Yeah. Branson's the UK guy, yeah. yeah. But Richard Richard Garriott has been uh, into space on some of the Russian right. Uh, right. rockets, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a matter of if you have the money <laughs> and if you can pass the fitness, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you can go... But They're it's a lot more than the average person can afford. Yeah. Have you uh, been following SpaceX at all? Elon Musk's yep. company? Yep. Yeah. His ultimate goal is to make sure that you, it's to get as cheap as possible. Right. And right now they already saved a bunch of money by landing the first stage of a rocket. That's like yep. 60% of the cost. Right, yeah. It's yep. like 60% Reuse, of the cost right They reused right. it, too. Yeah. Yeah, his yeah. goal is to make sure that space travel is affordable for anybody who wants to go. Right. I think their estimate is, their estimate, he's a very optimistic guy, so I kind of take this as a grain of salt. 
They want to get down to like about a million dollars a person in like the next ten years. <laughs> wow, a million dollars—that's still <laughs> yeah. a, so a Maybe, maybe a it's too small. Yeah. Maybe it's like ten million, but it's like right now yeah. it's like a—it's pricey. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know what it is. This is like they want to cut down to like ten percent of the cost right now. Yeah, it's not ridiculous. in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, well, that and I think that's that's we have to look at the the big picture. We have to look at the long haul because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, some of these things are not going to happen in my lifetime, or maybe not yours. Mm-hmm. We may get somebody on Mars mm-hmm. in the twenty thirties. That's yeah. I think is the if goal. Musk or works hard enough. He wants to get people by the twenty twenty. I was just going to say. I was thinking. I read recently. Yeah, we, we'd mm-hmm. like to have it in. The, like, but there's a lot of a lot of challenges to that, and I'm sure it will happen eventually. Mm-hmm. And what a some I just saw somebody post on Facebook this morning about. Well, forget going to Mars. Let's go to uh, Titan, which which is the <laughs> largest there. moon of, oh. of Saturn. Uh, I think there's some challenges there, but... Yeah, um, well, like, what is it? The, the, it's like very acidic rain there. It's like not yeah, really the most habitable place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the, the trip is problematic, too, because mm. there's so much radiation. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so that's... It'll happen someday, but I don't know if it's going to be as soon as mm-hmm. anybody thinks. And it, I really that may be a one-off is, but... too. It may not continue after that. Or that may be mm-hmm. just the beginning of something that's going to take a long, long stretch of time. Yeah, I'm cautiously uh, optimistic about companies like SpaceX because, like, they're doing things that I want to see, but they also seem to be like their plans are just like super ambitious. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Like they did, they innovated spaceflight more than like. The best innovation we've had since the space show hmm. is what they've pretty much done with their landing the rockets. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the the U.S. used to have some pretty big ambitions too. We've mm. kind of pulled back on that. Yeah. Uh, but the whole thing of when President Kennedy said, "Go to the moon by the end of the decade," and they no did. Yeah. And then. But but so much of that was associated with the Cold War, and then the Cold War yeah. ended, and so now there's there's the fight, I guess you'd say, to make sure that it's understood that this is it's in the interest of mm. science. But yeah. that's not as appealing to people. <laughs> yeah. It's not there's, as appealing to the people who come up with the money as it was to say we've got to do this no and beat the race. Russians. There's no space. Yeah, race. there's no yeah. there's no so, space race. Like anymore. one of the key components of the space race is showing how powerful our missiles are. A rocket's just a giant missile. So right. you say like, hey, we could get a missile to the moon. What can you do? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, it's, it was the uh, sad truth about the space race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've heard. Let's see. What was I was just hearing a number the other day about? It, it's a very small. Per, it's less than one percent. Like maybe four tenths oh, so of one percent of the U.S. budget that goes for oh. space, mm-hmm. so and tiny. it has so many. This, the the whole space program has had so many. Uh, benefits to in other ways, mm-hmm. not just, and of course we all hear about Tang and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, but there's all sorts of other uh, advancements that have hurt, helped people on Earth GPS in addition allies, to, yeah, yeah, uh, so, yeah, so uh, that has mic- to be emphasized, yeah. Corning yeah. Water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that has to be emphasized that it's not, this isn't just mm. because it looks good, it mm. does have uh, benefits to those of us who are left here mm. on Earth. Plus, ZRG just sounds really fun. I oh, yeah. To to <laughs> like, I would love to go to the, to the ISS and just like float around up there. 
Yeah. Just gotta yeah. find a billion dollars laying around my couch or something like that, and then I could go. I'm just All gonna right. make a billion dollars from this podcast, Kyle. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, so, uh, what upcoming events does the Austin Astronomical Society have coming up over the summer? Well, that uh, the Austin of the Stars, which is, as I said, is July twenty ninth at St. Stephen's Episcopal School. Uh, we have several star parties out at Canyon of the Eagles. The June next 10th, one is yeah, June tenth, July fifteenth. Is that what it is? Yeah. And, um, so those are, and, and monthly meetings, uh, at U- University of Texas, the Engineering Teaching Center on the second Friday of, uh, June, July, and August, and then beyond that, hmm. too. What do you discuss so, at the monthly meetings? We have a variety of topics. Sometimes we have researchers from the University of Texas Astronomy Department that will mm-hmm. come and talk to to us about various things. We had we mentioned Richard Garriott earlier. He mm-hmm. was he came and talked about oh. his experience oh, cool. on the International Space Station once. We had um, last last month we had a Dr. John Olson from Texas State University, who is sort of a, a celestial sleuth is the name of his book. He looks at things in art. History and uh, um, what else? Tries, tries to determine yeah. from let, let's say you, you look, you're looking at uh, a painting or a picture and tries to determine the exact time and place it was taken oh, from wow. uh, the yeah. sky conditions behind, in in the background. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that, like being able to estimate stuff like that. Like and actually, he, yeah, and he looked at uh, Caesar invading Britain and where where along the uh, the the coast that Caesar probably landed based on what the tides were and this sort of thing. So and that's, he's, and, he speaks yeah. to us. He writes articles for Sky and Telescope magazine and has, has one book out and has another another coming out. So, so you he's some always, pretty like, top-tier people that come yeah, by. Yeah, speeches. yeah. And we have sometimes we have members of our club who will speak about uh, things. Uh, the the anthro- Anthropocene, which is the new era that some people say we're in now, which is, you know, Go, oh, yeah. go back to things like the uh, the Pleistocene and and that sort of thing with the dinosaurs and all that. Well, now we're in the in the Anthropocene, which Anthro meaning man. Uh, so much of what's happening these days is because of humans and, and what we have done. So mm-hmm. we have a variety of of topics. Hmm. Yeah. Any uh, what's the speaker for uh, the next? Like a couple of meetings, you know. Um, I'm trying to think. One of them is going to be uh, Dr. Rachel Livermore, and she she talks about what does Rachel talk about? She talks about the early universe. She's been involved with a, uh, a an event that takes place monthly at the North Door called Astronomy on Tap, which hmm. it's a, a has locations around the country and in other countries. Yeah. Yeah, It's basically combining astronomy and beer. Yeah. It's like my favorite things together. So North Door is where like the brass band. Oh yeah. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. We, and she's apparently she's been was uh one of the founders of astronomy on tap here in austin and she's apparently she's been a postdoc at ut and apparently Mm. she's uh going somewhere else so what her she's doing her farewell talk to Mm. us and i i'm not like i say i'm not sure what her topic is but i know she has done a lot of research on very early uh going back way back in in history and distance and early Mm -hmm. uh formation of the galaxy so that's fascinating. 
any exciting uh, things coming up in like the world of astronomy? Like, I know there's a big uh, was it the James Webb telescope's coming out soon? Right, it'll yep. be launched next year. Yeah. Well, of course, everybody's talking about the eclipse, the solar eclipse in, in August. August twenty first. Oh, yeah, right. yes. yeah. It will not be a complete. Uh, eclipse here in Austin, I think it's no. about 60-some percent. But north of here, which is where we're going to be, it will be total in the first um, first yep. total eclipse Co- in quite com- a while in the U.S. Washington area, mm-hmm. then down through uh, Nebraska. Wyoming, Nebraska, uh, Missouri. Missouri yeah. and Tennessee. Right. Yeah, my uncle, he lives in Portland, and he was talking about his plans about seeing yeah. the eclipse. I should have. I should hop back to Missouri. That's where I'm from. Where are you from, Missouri? St. Louis. I'm from Kansas City. Oh, okay. (laughs) But in the slightly farther future, Mm -hmm. on April 8th, 2024, there will be another total eclipse, and the center of it comes right over Austin. Yeah. Well, more specifically, the center of it comes right over Canyon of the Eagles, where our observatory is. But it'll be good here in Austin, too. So put that on your calendar. Yeah, uh, seven more years. Seven years (laughs) from now. What and was it? April what? April eighth. April eighth. So it's it's, like it's my a significant birthday for my sister, and that's why I have memorized the date because <laughs> three days before my birthday, so you're an early birthday party. Watching the eclipse. Yeah. And then uh, for a little bit closer in, I don't know what the moon situation is going to be, but in in August, everybody's always interested in the Pleiades and the Pleiades, the uh, Perseids Perseid meteor, meteor shower. shower. Oh yeah, and because that's one of the better ones. That's one of two that are, are pretty good most of the time. Uh, depends on the moon situation, but uh, that will be somewhere usually the eighth, ninth, tenth of August, something like that. Yeah, meteor so. shower is like last for a couple of days too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They usually so do. if you miss that one night, you got the next night. Well, we always like to ask, um, since we're everyday superhumans, <laughs> what your nonprofit would be like if it was a superhero or if it had superhero capabilities i can already kind of think of one that would be the <laughs> like most an logical superhero or just like when you make up i know it always stumps people <laughs> well i first thought of superman and maybe that's because of flying some of the others fly that's, too but. that's what i was thinking i was like well flying He's would be the yeah that's yeah perfect. and superman came from outer space yeah. and yeah so yeah i guess that's yeah, yeah i guess that, that's yeah wow that was the easiest one <laughs> that's 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 gotta be it Captain yeah. obvious. itching to go stargazing Want to learn more about the universe? You can learn more about the night sky at austinastro.org where you can check out to see where their next star party is happening. You can also meet Jim and Joyce yourself at their monthly meetings every second Friday of the month at UT in the ETC room 2.136 of the Engineering Teaching Center building. Yes, that's a lot of words, but I got it. Also, be sure to check out their Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Austin Astronomical Society. And don't forget to follow them on Twitter at Austin Astro. Are you an Austinite looking for more ways to make Austin even more awesome? Well, then look no further than everydaysuperhumans.com where you can learn more about the stories behind Austin's most famous nonprofits. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SuperhumansCast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydaysuperhumans. And also check out our Instagram at everydaysuperhumans. Like what we're doing? Want to support the show? 
You can give us a hand by rating and subscribing to Everyday Superhumans on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling really generous, be sure to donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash everydaysuperhumans. And remember, not every hero has to fly. So grab your cape and let's go. Let's go.